are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, it's the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. We're uh, we're joining you here for a little bit of a short show on this Easter Sunday. Um, Kevin, you got any plans on the holiday here? Yeah, I'm seeing family later today, so... If, I don't know if anybody noticed. I did not live tweet last night's game. I didn't. I'm not live tweeting tonight's either. Kind of a break, you know. You get opportunities to do some stuff, family and friends wise, for a little bit of time, you know. And typically, like we're talking about, yes, we're wrapping up the Flyer season. Typically, if you're not making the playoffs, we'd already be in off season mode. Yeah. At this time of year. Right, but because of the schedule, we're a little bit late. I actually got asked that question yesterday, like about are so are they going to just make it this late all the time? And I even said I don't think that's the case. I think it's only this late now because the Olympics. I believe the plan is to go back to normal next year. Well, and the, well, but I, you won't have that three week break built in because right. there's no Olympics next year. So you're right. going to go at least. But back also, to, hey, there's theoretically, theoretically, the league's not going to break for two weeks around Christmas because everyone gets sick. Well, I agreed, but they made that up any like they made all that up because the break was built in. Right. So I, I think they would have found a way. They still get some time off there anyway. Yeah, this season started about two weeks late. It's been running about two weeks late all year. This isn't really much of a shock. But I don't think they would actually move it up any soon. Like not I don't say any sooner, but maybe like we're talking like a week. That's no, I, they I would start with, but it would end because of the two weeks disappearing. It okay. would still end like April 12th. That's fair. Yeah, I'm, I would be okay with that. I think they are going to end up going back to that early October uh, start time, but yeah, yeah, we'll see but, how it works. And, and like, like even if we were just doing like if this week's show is the first one where we went, okay, it's off season mode. Everything ended on Saturday. Like, right. Even if that was the case, you'd understand it a little bit. But it's the fact that we still have two more weeks from this past There's Friday. Still that's still like, <laughs> which isn't even seven which is, more games. Which well, and for the NHL, that's not even the truth because it's actually two weeks from today. Because right. they postponed a game this week that's now on May first. Uh, yeah, but that's one of those. They we we saw the league have a willingness to do this last year. Games that don't matter for playoff implications, they're still going to play them. They're still going to fulfill their regular season schedule. But the rest of the league that's moving into the playoffs just kind of ignores it and moves on. They're not affected. Right. So. Well, and it may not even like honestly. What what is the game? I know it's it was a game in Winnipeg. Was it Winnipeg Seattle? Okay. Like, yeah, on. something it's like that. It's not even really be for playoff position. Like nobody's getting into the playoffs because that game takes place. That's one of but those they, games where the players have their bags packed. They're leaving after that. But you know, you know what? Like that. The funny part of that is, is that there is such an emphasis, even for draft position or draft lottery position. That's that fair. Those that every team's got to get the eighty-two in because of that. Well, yeah, and, and a lot of TV contracts specify that you get all you know a certain well, amount too. of games yeah. and you know et cetera, et cetera. But, and it's in, and it's in Canada. Well, right, and it's revenue. That contract really, you know, holds up. Yep. Well, and it's it's revenue now that buildings are open again, and you know, owners are trying to recoup as much as you know lost money as possible, and they just want the extra home game. Yeah, exactly. So even though it doesn't, it won't matter. It matters anyway. So speaking of draft lottery position, you did mention (laughs) it in there. The uh, the Flyers sure did their best this week to to work on that. Um, It was not. Well, it wasn't a good week to be a player for the orange and black. Now, if you're a fan and you're rooting for the team to kind of head towards the bottom and work on that draft position, it still wasn't a great week um, because we got to talk about Tuesday's game with Washington. Right. Um, Even in a season like this, 
in a week like this where you lose three games, the fact that they're still finding ways to be an embarrassment is kind of <laughs> impressive, to be honest. But you don't you don't see teams give up nine goals very often. No, I know we've actually seen it a couple of times this week. Calgary put up nine on Arizona on Saturday night. Um, was there another one too? There was an eleven recently. Didn't Pittsburgh put up eleven recently? Oh yeah, Pittsburgh uh, beat Detroit eleven to two a little while back. It was Pittsburgh quite... put up eleven. There's been a couple of eights this week. I mean, there's been some high scoring. Oh, games. there was a, a Colorado beat L.A. nine to three the next night. Okay, so there has been quite a, nine to two, but you had three teams this week to put up nine spots. There's been a lot of nines, um, but it, even still, the Flyers kicked it off with just an absolutely pathetic performance against Washington. Like it, that game was just not ever close to being close. I'll, I'll be honest, and it's not entirely the Flyers' fault because there were some injury issues coming out of that game. Uh, Carter Hart, Cam Atkinson, you know, among some other names. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I was at work. I, I turned it on at the beginning of the f- second period, and I heard, I saw the score said 3-1. I heard Carter Hart and Cam Atkinson are hurt. They will not be returning to the lineup tonight. And I went, okay, that's enough. Click. <laughs> I looked back about five minutes later, saw that the score was 5-1, and went, well, I feel pretty good about that decision. Yeah. <laughs> And checked out for the remainder of the night, I'm sorry to say. We've gotten to the point, and I got here last year if you've been listening for a while. Um, I'm choosing mental health over hockey at this point. Well, I mean, didn't I just say that that's kind of what I did Saturday? And that's against a team like Buffalo. Like, you know, they're like, you got to kind of expect, and we didn't know anything yet about, I guess, about lineups and all that stuff because when. You know, there was nothing on Cam Atkinson yet. There was nothing on Carter Hart yet. Like, it seemed like a normal game on Tuesday. Right. So you go into it and you just think, okay, we'll see. Like, I'm not sitting here saying I ever expected them to win the game. That's no, not but the it, point. But you've like, seen you sit them there keep the games close. Right. And, they, and you know what? Washington has struggled enough lately that the Flyers have won against them. Like, oh, yeah. The Flyers have won against them even in their worst times. Sure, and and you saw against Toronto, you know, this team is capable of hanging with decent teams for a while until they really kind of put the put the foot on the gas. But. Right. So, I I mean, listen, you with your story right now about turning it on for two seconds, seeing the score, hearing that information, and going, okay, click. I think I made the right choice. Some some of us aren't so lucky, <laughs> and some of us get to sit there as we watch. Not just the, the amount of goals that are being scored, but then the garbage time stuff that just starts happening, like with three minutes left, where you're, both teams are still scoring goals in that game. Right. And, you know, I, the only thing I can say about it, and as much as they were losing players, you go down a forward, you're throwing a goalie in who you probably didn't intend to use that night because you had a game the next day. Yep, and we ended up seeing Felix Sandstrom in the next game. Which is actually a, a better thing for the team anyway at this stage of the game. But I agree. either way. Um, I all like well, and a lot of people brought up the nine nothing game from a year ago against the Rangers, and I can't help but think I didn't really write anything on it because I mean let's let's put it this way this week in particular the reason why last night I could have just flown under the radar and live not live tweeting the game probably doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't strictly follow this team right you, like baseball season's brand new 
which is fun because like fun in the sense that everybody's already freaking out seven games into a season. I was going to say, is it really all that fun when the Phillies are? <laughs> no, no, no. It's fun when everybody freaks out seven games into a season. Like, oh, dear God. Like last, like, like Saturday. Like, okay. They had come I'm and seeing they lost, some headlines. But no, Saturday they came in and they'd lost four straight and then they put up 10 runs in the first like five innings or something like that. Okay. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, look, they're okay. They're back. They're back. Like, we're good. We're good. Like, I, I hate people who take baseball games in 162 game seasons and treat it like the 16, 17 game football seasons where it's like, hey, every game matters that much to everything. Like, no, I love isn't. I love Philly sports talk radio. I love it. Never oh, change. Don't, don't get me started. Never change. Tell me for about the, who the Eagles third left and, tackle is well, in and, January. And here, well, hold on, because for the record, I know I just said don't even get me started on that, and I work at a radio station. The radio station I work at is not technically – well, it is a Philly sports station, but it's in Atlantic City, and they never really take callers. It's strictly we – as hosts, we talk, and we get guests. And that's it. That's right. it. We're not feeding you the other stuff. And on rare occasion, they take calls. And sometimes it takes about three calls for one of those types of people to get through. And we shut and it that's down. The, and that's the end of phone calls for the week. Yep. Not even for the day, for the week. We won't hear phone calls. That's um, funny. They do use, one of the things they do use that's pretty decent, actually, because it's, it's kind of a way to vet what somebody's going to say before actually bringing it up. They use yeah. a text line sometimes. Okay. Which at least because then you can at least read you can what filter out the nonsense and filter out like somebody who sends something kind of ridiculous right. over it's, and it, and read a good point from somebody though like there are people out there who know how what they're talking about. Sure, it's it's the same thing when you're doing like anything live. You just be have you have to be able to filter out the nonsense, right? If you're taking right. tweets, just skip the ones that are garbage. So, but either way, <laughs> so at, at this point, like. Baseball season's brand new, so there's still a lot of attention on it because of the fact that let's just say you can do what the Phillies did this past week and lose four games in a row and still have an easier path to get back into things because Oh sure. It's such a long season. There's so much games time every it's, day. It, it, well, and it's it's April. It's not like it was um, it's not like right. four games in August and you go, uh oh. Right. It's you have seven you have seven more months of a game almost every day. Right. You got time. So you got that part and then the Sixers are in the playoffs, and the playoffs started on Saturday at 6 o'clock. So an hour before the Flyers come on, everybody's in full Sixers playoff mode. Yep. Like, that might have been the quietest 2 nothing lead they've ever had because of the fact that did anybody even know it was on? Actually, we want to know something that was ridiculous about this game, and I don't normally, like, I, I get, look, I guess this is just them playing the card that they have because of the fact that it's an NBC local network and all that stuff. So the Sixers are on the main channel locally for the playoffs. Right. Makes total sense. I'm not doubting, doubting that at yeah, all. Yeah, totally. The Phillies were bumped. Like, the Phillies being early in the season, some excitement around new players, blah, blah, blah. They were bumped to stream only, and the Flyers were on the secondary network. And it's kind of like, why aren't you just making a Flyers-Buffalo game in April? A stream-only game. You, you know why? Yeah, because Comcast. I was going to say, who owns the Flyers? Hello. Yeah, well, but the network actually has, like, the network itself has an ownership stake in the Phillies, too. Sure. But, like you well, said, it's, it's early in a 162-game season versus late in an 82-game season where things, they need every eye they can well, get. Well, some, somebody also asked me the question, why are the Flyers on national TV next Sunday 
play in Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, first and, of all, because the schedule's made in... Well, I, I had two reasons. I went, number one, it's still a Pittsburgh game, which means they're putting Crosby on national television. Oh, Why right. wouldn't you? That's and the then, answer. Well, and the other answer is, I said, they don't flex games. They don't sit there later in the year and go, oh, you know what? This isn't as good of a matchup as we thought. Let's change that. Right, they don't no. do that. The they hockey structure go, is rigid. Right, which which basically means that at the beginning of the year, because like somebody even said, it's not on NBC anymore. So I didn't think that NBC, Matt, like NBC used to want the Flyers on national as right. often as possible, obviously. But it's not that anymore. So why are they still on national? So I'm like, because they like they thought they were going to be better. Like right. when you look at the beginning of the season and go, ooh, Flyers, Penguins, they got Sunday of the final week of the season. I think I need that game on national Because you're thinking of, you're thinking of 2012. How can you not? Like, we saw the memories pop up on Facebook this week, right? Like, right. it's it's 10 years ago to the to the week, roughly. Right. So, either way. And that's but, what you're looking for if you're the network. But either way, back to the, um, you know, because like you said, like we were talking about you saying you could kind of just go under the radar. It's like it didn't even matter. But Back to the Tuesday game for a minute because of the fact that, again, I went back to kind of the thoughts I had on the 9-0 game because of the fact that when they lost that game 9-0 to the Rangers last year, the thing that I wrote the day after was a lot about how when you lose a game like that, where it's that out of hand, that embarrassing to watch, constant goal scoring left and right against you, that is an entire like that's another representation of an entire organization failing. Yes. You don't lose games like that without having like in in situations like that without everything going wrong. You yeah. don't like it's and and I do I feel bad for somebody like Bobby Brink who gets called up, makes his debut that night, does eventually like does eventually get a point in the game by the yep. way. So he gets on the board. But like I feel bad for somebody like that because I'm sitting here going, oh, this a game like that's a total organizational failure. And he's played one game. He had signed two days earlier. Right. Like, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. But it's just one of these things where you start to sit there and you look at all of the other stuff with, you know, like, like just everything with the way the defensive play has been all year, the lapses. I mean, what you know, like like the situations that are really embarrassing are the ones that you go. Why is Connor Sherry able to eat a meal before he scores a goal because he's standing in front of the net alone? And then the next night they did it again and yep. didn't get scored on, but they, they tried that. You had four guys below the goal line, I think, at one point, too, for one of them. Like, a lot of the same mistakes consistently repeated, and there's just – there's no teaching mechanism here. Like, as much right. as Mike Yo says a lot of things that I think are, are accurate. Yeah. And he's very honest, and I give him credit for that. But there's no element of trying to actually teach right? and say this is not how it's supposed to be done. This is how you fix this. And the thing that the other thing I don't understand, especially when you have games like that, are you get fan reactions that are very mixed to me because you get people who can't like can't stomach the fact that they're that bad, all that type of stuff. Yet a month ago and for the better part of the last month, everything has been about they've got to lose as much as possible. I can't tell you the number of comments I see when they win a game going, they're supposed to be losing though. Why aren't they losing? Like I see it all the time. And yet they get blown out nine to two and now all of a sudden that's not a, that's not okay either. And I agree it's not okay to lose nine to two and get blown out all the time. But it like at the same time, did they give you the desired result against a playoff team? It wasn't even close. They gave yep. you the desired result, and certainly the next day, 
when we go ahead and sit there the next day and get all of the updates in the morning for a game that is, you know, going against the Rangers later that night. And yeah, Cam Atkinson's not ready yet. Or like yep. he's out. He's not going to be able to play. Same thing with Carter Hart. Felix Sandstrom's going to have to go tonight. Um, and then this whole laundry list of other guys, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen is not going to be available. Cam York's not going to be available. And he didn't even mention Cam York the first time. We actually were left to wonder what the hell's going on with that situation. Right. So Cam York's not going to be able to go. Nate Thompson's not able to go. So now all of a sudden you've got a lineup that's got Igor Zamula in it. Felix Sandstrom's your goalie. Tanner Lazinski's called up. You've got all these new players in the in the mix, and they get shut out for nothing by the Rangers. And I don't know how you can look at that as a bad thing at this point in the season because they did what they because they did exactly what everybody's wanted them to do. That's yep. a young lineup that had to play. There was no choice. They all had to play, and then they lost the game. By the way, that Rangers game. Yeah. Was that in Madison Square Garden? No, that was here. <sighs> you oh, could have fooled like me. You could have fooled me. And like, okay. I'm sorry, my memory wasn't there for a second. Right. It, was, it feels like it was three weeks ago. And I, here's the thing. I understand where we're at. If you're a Flyer season ticket holder, I understand that if you're willing to put it up there and some jamoke from Manhattan is willing to pay for this ticket, you're selling it. I get it. I wouldn't sure. want to see this team either. But, man. Rangers fans, I'll give you some credit. You travel really well. And I know there's a lot of Rangers fans in the South Jersey area, in the Philadelphia area, who probably came out. Um, but I'm sure some number of people came down from New York. There were just too many people there. Well, and here's – okay, so here's the thing, too. You had a double there was two. – there's two other things to note from this game, one of which I'll do uh, – not to gloss over it really quickly, but – it becomes a footnote when in the grand scheme of things, because when you think about four, like a four nothing loss and the way that the building sounded, like you just brought up, it's yeah, not that exactly, first goal was crazy. You know, it's not exactly a fun, like a nice night to bring this up because it's kind of disappointing. So Monday was the six year anniversary of Ed Snyder's passing. Now the team was not playing that night, and the team was not home the next night. Now, right. now did they on Monday? Did they tweet out a bunch of stuff? They were sharing stuff all over the place. The alumni posted a thing on. On Mr. Snyder and um, who else did Snyder hockey did and all this type of stuff. Everybody, were, everybody, everybody was kind of on board yeah. and the team did the same thing. And it seemed like it was really at least they like it was if you're listening to this show, you know what Ed Snyder meant to the city of Philadelphia hockey. So. And you but you also probably like if not if not just to jog everyone's memory, the idea that, you know, when his birthday rolled around, they didn't mention it and everybody went crazy. <laughs> yeah, including you knew they were going to double down members of his own family. Who were pretty upset about that situation, so you knew they were doubling down now, on now this. On tu- now, now on Tuesday, you can't do anything about it. It's a game in Washington. There's really not much you can do about it. Thank but God when- you didn't. <laughs> well, I hear you. But Wednesday, Wednesday, you can. They had a moment during. I, I thought it was going to be pregame. It ended up being during the first TV timeout where they put a thing up on the screen and all that stuff. Two of Ed Snyder's daughters were in attendance in like the ownership box, if you will. Or in like in a suite that, you know, and they've got you know all like you, you can see some of the big wigs around them. Like it's a big deal. Like they made a big deal out of it, which I can't deny. There's certain elements of what they do with this type of stuff that is a step in the right direction. Like you have to take a step in the right direction in terms of at least starting to patch up what people perceive about the direction of the franchise. Not even on the ice. No right. one's being fooled into thinking that, hey, they're going to be better next year. 
Right. As much as you want to push that narrative, no one's really buying that. But what you can do is start to dedicate yourself to the idea that, you know what, we're going to try to go back to the way things were in, a cer- in certain areas because of the fact that it felt like such a disconnect. That right. it felt like we like you were losing people, and if you make a conscious effort to include them in things again, you know, like having town halls and things like that, if you include them in things, at least it feels like the old days a little bit. Sure. Instead of this new direction, this new regime that doesn't have a pulse. Like, right, right. It comes back a little bit. So they did the right thing there, and they're trying to patch up some of those things. But obviously the team isn't any good, right. and well, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Right, and by the way, I don't even mind necessarily if you want to go the aggressive route, right? If you want to sign a free agent or two, if you want to make an aggressive trade or two, as long as they're smart moves, right? You're not throwing money at a 32-year-old veteran and giving him five years. But a guy like, for example, Nazem Kadri. Was, I believe 27, 28 when he hits the market this summer. Right. That's a guy I wouldn't mind if you want to open the checkbooks a little bit and give him – what do you think Nazem Kadri deserves? Four years, $9 million? I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's aggressive. The problem with that kind of money, and this is, and it's funny you bring that name up because I keep hearing more and more steam behind that name. Yeah. That would be their egg – all the eggs in one basket. Not to make – you know, not to throw an egg reference out on uh, I, there, but <laughs> – I think other pieces will be moving. And, oh, there there and might I think be other pieces moving, but I don't think it frees up enough money for them to do what they – like, to make them any better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think everything would be lateral. I, I think Johnny Gaudreau coming in somehow. I still don't think – and here's the thing. You can say that all you want to. I, I don't think that if all you decide to do this offseason is clear enough money to sign both Nazem, Nazem, Nazem Kadri, Kadri and Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau, Gaudreau, I don't think it makes you any better because, again, you're asking two guys who put up a lot of points – with way more talent around them to try to replicate it here with a lack of talent. And I don't if, think it's going to work. If your and there's still no better defensively if you do that, by the way. Sure. But if your defense is healthy next year, and that includes Ryan Ellis, who I, we have to put as a question mark until he proves otherwise. If He's a, he's a gigantic one because nobody knows right. where the hell he is right now. Right. But if, if he's healthy next year, if Sean Couturier is healthy next year, I do want to shout out Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes has looked much better since his injury. I believe it's something like 18 points in 20 games, something along those lines. He, it, it, Kevin Hayes legitimately looks very good on a bad team. Somebody's got to score. I get it. But he has looked much better since his injury, especially than he did before he went out and missed the time. He's looked better. This past week was the worst he's looked since. Okay. Oh, that that I Fair enough. Say, which, which brings into question, and here's the big problem with what, with everything that you're saying. That's all well and good. They are a better team with Sean Couturier. They're a better team with Ryan Ellis. They're a better team with all those guys. The problem is, is that every statement you made was an if. You're right. And if you're if this team thinks they're going to get better by signing a couple of guys and a bunch of ifs, they are going to go down harder than they did this year. Well, for the record, I, I do think Sean Couturier is going to be back, right? We've heard early indications oh, so look, he's already Sean skating Couturier, with the I team. Went to the I, morning, I went to the morning skate last Saturday. He's skating. Like, right. I, you know, I don't, I own, don't honestly... Crazy. I honestly don't expect that to be an issue in the fall. I okay. really don't. And But again, and this is why I'm saying the if statements are too much of a question for me, I'm not questioning that Sean Couturier is going to be ready in September. Sure. I think he'll be ready, but the question becomes if he stays healthy all year, 
And now you're and now you're talking a six month period where you're asking nothing to go wrong for a guy who has consistently had injury trouble. He has. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the way it is, and I I don't mean to be doom and gloom about it. It's just the way that I it, that that's the vibe that I hear when I'm gathering information, kind of going into this offseason. They think they're going to patch this thing up by writing a check for one or two free agents if they even have the money for it but what that's going to lead to is like let's put this way if you go out and sign nazim kadri and give him exactly what you just said give him four years nine million dollars let's just say right which i don't think it would even be four years by the way i think it'll be longer than that for kadri okay for what it's worth but either way let's say you give him the nine million dollars right that's going to based on just everything they actively have right now i think that would leave them with like five million dollars left in cap space they're going to try to clear a little bit of it because Let's put it this way. They would love it if someone would just take JVR's contract. It's not going to happen. They're going to end up having to buy him out. Which, I know. You know, that frees up another, what, three, Listen, I think three and a half million. You never know. You might be able to ship him to Arizona. I can't see it. They need to hit the cap floor. They, they have will, no player signed for next year. They'll find other ways to do it than going after a guy like that. I think if the, the Flyers are going to have to throw in a pick, but if it's JVR in a second, I think they'll take him. I think that if they, I, you might be right about that, but I think if they did, then you would watch, Twitter would implode. Or JVR in a third. like I, Twitter would implode if Chuck Fletcher makes the same deal two years in a row for a cap dump. I know. It, would, no, it just would. If, if, he, if he deals two, a pick or two to get rid of another contract. I don't think Chuck Fletcher cares what, uh, what Twitter thinks. None of them care what Twitter. It, that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't matter no, if Twitter would implode. No, but I'm trying to. Twitter say imploded and, the day they traded Jeff Richards and, or Jeff uh, Carter and Mike Richards. No, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that I don't care. Like they don't have to care if Twitter will implode or not. Everybody else can see that that's not the right direction. You like they need to they need to bulk up on picks, not the other way around. So you. Oh, I agree. Off, you'd be better off buying out the guy than anything else because of the fact that if unless you can make a straight up natural trade, I will take the bare bones minimum to get this $7 million contract off the books, they will not be able to do it without giving up something that's actually valuable to, to them in the here and now. Jacob Chagrin for James Van Riem is like, what's the problem? Everything. <laughs> but JVR oh, makes that, $7 that million. Dollars. That means go, he's got to be good, right? Come on. That deal doesn't even go through in NHL 22. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, I mean, sometimes you get pretty stupid ones in those things, right? Don't you get stupid... You can nobody... do some really stupid stuff in that yeah. game. Which is yeah. why people think it's easy to do, right? My my favorite is trading two-thirds and two-fourths for a second and then trading like three seconds for like a mid-first. <laughs> either either way. I like. So let's assume they buy them out, right? And they get three and a half million dollars more. Okay, so now that five became what? Eight and a half or something like that? They have nobody left to just play to fill out the roster unless right. they're going to keep young players across the board. Do you know what that means in the, basically in the long run? And I hate to break it to people. but this It's is a phantom exactly. season next year. No, it's not that. I hate to break it to you, but guess what that means that you're going to have on defense? You're going to have some young players, and that's all well and good. Like, you're going to have, like, and it depends. I don't want to just speak too soon and go, oh, it means it's Ivan Provorov, Cam York, Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen. Like, that's all well and good. It could be. Like, right. it could be. It could, there could be a guy who's not on a team. We don't know that yet. But then you go down the list further. I don't think Ronnie Adder's playing at the NHL level to start next year. I think he needs time in the minors. I agree. Um, I think I it's time to give Zamula a shot. Zamula might have a shot. I think it's time to figure out what we got there. Okay, but now, but now you're still short a guy. 
Yep, I agree. You're going to have to go out and sign a low-cost veteran, and then guess what you're going to be left with at seven? Kevin Connaughton or Keith Yandel or uh, Ke- a Nick Sealer or you know something along those lines. How about both of them as your seven and eight again? And then you're going to use them because you know guys don't say, oh, okay, hang on a minute. I'm sorry. They don't have to technically, they don't have to sign a sixth. Okay. I love because I, you know, this is how forgotten he is already. I go. Oh, Sam Moran will be back, huh? No, that no, no, no. Oh. Ivan, I went Ivan Provorov, Cam York, Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen. And yeah, it might be a time to give Igor Zamula a shot. And whose name I forgot? Ryan Ellis, if he's healthy. Oh yeah. So Ellis is still part of it, but then you still need a seven and an eight in the event that somebody's not healthy, and it's going to end up being the million dollar contracts for Nick Sealer and Kevin Connaughton. Sam Moran's time. He'll finally stay healthy. <laughs> Sam Moran's, I think, a goner finally. For what it's worth. Sorry? I think Sam Moran's a goner finally for what it's worth. You think so? Contract. Well, they don't have to. Yeah, the contract is up, and they do not have to resign him. Either way. But, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, because Ellis is an if, and we have no clue, we don't even know anything about the injury. Nobody even knows if he's having a surgery. Like, they've been so discreet about the information that you're going, okay, whatever it is, it doesn't matter at this point. All we know is the guy's not able to play. Right. They hope he's going to be back for the start of training camp, but that's a, you know, hope is a funny word when it comes to this type of stuff because you don't exactly want to run off hope. You know, you kind of want run want to run off definitives. Like we can sit there and talk all we want to about okay, they're hoping Sean Couturier will still stay healthy all year next year, but at least you can kind of get some hope for oh yeah, you know what? He's actively skating now. We know his season's over, but he's actively out there doing something. It's not like he's missing in action. Right. He, he's got a presence. He's around. He's even going on road trips. Sure. Ryan Ellis barely shows up to games where he's not able to play. Yeah. Like he, he barely shows up for team picture day. He wasn't a team picture day. Right. So but that's the thing. Like, it's like he's not even part of the team. So is that a thing? He barely shows up for Claude Giroux's pregame ceremony on, you know, the thousandth game. Like, but that's what I'm saying. So is that a thing? You know what I mean? Like, right. It's really funny because I was watching it with somebody and. She looks. She goes, who's that? Oh, it's Ryan Ellis. Right. Literally forgot who the person was. Right. So anyway, that but that's your defense. Yep. Do you feel any better about it? <sighs> I, okay. It's the biggest if. And I know we talked about if statements earlier. Right. But I have to. If Ryan Ellis comes back. And it, let's say Ryan Ellis is 80% of what he was. 85% of what he was in Nashville. I don't think it's great, to be honest with you. I think Ivan Provorov struggles to carry the load, as we've seen him do in the past. Right. If Ryan Ellis comes back and is closer to 95 to 100% of what he was in Nashville, I feel much better about it, to be honest with you. Um, and if it doesn't happen, then I, I feel accordingly. Like, if he doesn't show up all right. at all, then but- I feel awful about it. <laughs> And, and it, see it, but again, and, and what does it seem to always circle back to? It doesn't even circle back to Ryan Ellis at this point. It circles back to Rasmus Ristolainen. Because if you didn't have the money that you used to lock him up for the next five years, then you kind of like, do you have a hole to fill? God, I hate I, no. that contract. Like, but here's the thing you would still have a giant hole to fill. So you're not any like better or worse. Right, you still need to get a fourth defenseman. 
and a fourth defenseman. Uh, did you see that? Uh, you're not really on Twitter, right? But the, the thread that Chris Pronger posted this week about why contracts yes. the way they are was fascinating. I did see some of that, and like, you I should go check it went, out if you oh have. Oh my it. goodness, that makes Rasmus Ristolainen's contract make a hell of a lot more sense as to why a top four guy who plays the middle pairing makes that kind of money now. Yep. Because and and it was primarily due to escrow, right? Which I get that like. They're ever, the players are still going to be they're going to be paying that back for the next two three years and that's why the cap is flat. Yep. Like it, it is part of the way that it is. I mean the cap's going up by a million dollars this year. Big whoop. Like that's that's Keith Yandel's contract. <sighs> right. For a lot of teams, I, I think that's a big million dollars. To be honest with you, I think Kyle Dubas went. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, so did Joe Sackick. Right. Joe, Joe Sackick, Sackick, Steve. Are you are you kidding yeah, me? Because everybody. Of the fact, because of the fact that um. Colorado signed Ben Myers, who was the co- one of the college free agents that we briefly yeah. mentioned, because a lot of teams were interested in him. He was playing in the Frozen Four. Yep, but of course he signed yeah, with Colorado. Well, but do you think? Col- yeah, and he, but he, and he played already, and he scored a goal, scored a goal. already. So yep. like, good for him. He went to a team where he can literally jump right in and go he into can, a playoff race. He, he can pull a Matt Murray and win two cups as a rookie, possibly. But do you think that Joe Sackick's not sitting there going, "Ooh, that extra million dollars for that entry level deal that I like?" Because what do they need? They don't even need anything. That team's loaded. So he's sitting there going, "Hey, I can add some entry level. You know, I can still sign an entry level contract for a college free agent." Though right, they yeah. just replaced Justin Barron. They just signed his replacement. Boom. Well, Myers is a forward, and Barron. Oh, is he? I thought yeah. he was a defenseman. Okay. No, but either way, they, they, but you're kind of right, though. Like, it's another young guy where they could bury him in the minors for the Just next slot year. slot right in. Yep. But if he like, doesn't make the lineup, he's going to be phenomenal for their AHL team. But th- but those are the general managers. You're right. Those are the general managers that look at the extra million and go, oh, that's awesome. I needed that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but, you know, who? like, you even know who else? At the, and it's crazy to talk about it like this, but you know who else goes nuts over something like that? Bill okay. Zito. Yep. You don't think Bill Zito's in Florida going, oh, an extra million bucks with no state tax? Yeah, because uh, I think they make a real run at Florida? attempting to re-sign Claude Giroux. I think they make a real run, but I'm telling you, that Ottawa thing still sounds like something to me. I think if they go three rounds deep, bow out deep in the conference finals, I think he looks at that group Mm-hmm. And looks at how good that group is, and says they can get it done. I I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Claude signs a two year deal there just to try to win a cup in a short window and then go home to Ottawa, or come back to Philly, whatever he wants to do. I'll tell you no, but I'll tell you what I, I agree with you on one thing for sure and certain for right now. I don't think he signs for any more than two or three years at most. Right. Yeah, right. I, and and but what I'm and what I'm trying to say is, is that like. The reason I'm saying it like that is, is that, like, let's say everything was all hunky-dory here and he's able to stay, you know, and or wanted to stay and knows he can knows he has a shot to win here and all that stuff and everything works out. If he's signing in Philly, you know, like, like, not, like not no trade and he finishes the year out and he's going to probably resign. Right. I think it's the end of the contract deal or the end of the career deal. I agree. Like, I think he's 34 going... Yeah, give me the five-year deal that keeps me here for the rest of my career, and that's it. Right. Put you it know, in the, a number that makes sense and, for and, everybody. And at, least thir- well, and at least at 38, 39, then you can decide in the final year, do one I want to come back for the one year and finish right. it off and still try for something or not? Like, I think right now he's going to play a different card, which like I think his next contract is not his last. 
I think I he's agree. got more time, but he's going to play way more short term to see what he feels like can help him. Yeah. And and it might make you know him what? more money, to be honest with you. Well, I and you know what? Like, I think you're right. I think I could see him doing two years in Florida to say, you know what? Keep it close. Keep it like, let's keep this team together. See if we can't do something. And then he's still got the option to play maybe a final three in Ottawa. And yep. do what he's probably always wanted to do in some way, shape, or form. And by oh. that time, Ottawa might be ready for him with the way they're going. They're getting close to being ready for him now. I, I know. Like, I, like, I'm, it's like, scary. I, think, I know. Well, and I, I know that the standings say otherwise. Like, the standings say Ottawa's 26th in the league, and that's not very good. If I believed in their goaltending for the long term, Ottawa would be a pretty dangerous team as early as next season. Now, the problem is in that division, just the killers at the top of the division, right? You have Tampa, you have well, sure. Boston, you have Toronto. Like every single one of the, But every single one of those teams at some point or another is going to run into the guy. Like, like to be – okay, so, so you, want me to, you want me to take two of those teams out of play effective immediately? Okay. In terms of what could hurt them near future? We all know about Toronto's cap issues because of the fact that Toronto always, like, has so much spent on those top four guys. Right, so much they don't have room to really add. They're definitely mortgaging the future. Matthews only has two years left. Well, and then imagine what the next contract's going to look like. The dude's going to score sixty-five goals this year. Do you even want to know what the number's going to be when his contract's up? I do, just because I'm curious. I'm well, curious if Austin Matthews I, no, is the oh, first player yeah, who makes I'm more curious. than Connor McDavid. I don't, I don't have an, an, a number. I'm just saying. I'm I'm like, curious if he's the first player who makes more than Connor McDavid, because so far that's kind of be been the top. Let, let's see. Let's see if he replicates this year, next year again. Like, right. And I, I th- don't like, bl- like the funny thing is that this year was his first. Um, this year was his first fifty goal season somehow or other because of all the other. I was going to say only only just technically right. Well, right. Like, but all of these other technicalities that made him not a fifty goal scorer yet, and he's not only going to do fifty. He's going to probably break sixty, and just demolish this whole thing. So I know. Both you and I will occasionally throw a dollar or two down on some sports bets. Uh, there are props out there that Matthews gets to 70, and the odds are not crazy. I, I've seen, right. like, plus 900 that he hits the 70 plateau. And, like, that's insane if you know a little bit about sports betting. The fact that that's only plus 900 is kind of nuts. Um, so here's the other thing, too, by the way. Okay, so Toronto, we know all the cap stuff. Marner's having a great year. And Matthews yeah. is having a great year, and like I'm like I was like laughing because of the fact that I'm like, that feels like too small of a word to even describe their years. Like great is the best that I can do. Incredible years, right? Like they're actually having incredible years. Marner did it again on Saturday. Like every time I blinked, his name was coming up in the box like, score. And right. By the way, I I mentioned the fact that Matthews might hit seventy. He'd be the first player since Mario. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Right. Like that's not that's not a name that's thrown around lightly in hockey. Mario friggin' Lemieux, in case you didn't know. Matthews didn't score in that game against Ottawa, right? So he's still stuck. He's still not at sixty yet. Correct. I believe he's at fifty eight. He's at fifty eight, one hundred he got over a hundred points in that yes. game. Um how many games do they have left, by the way? Uh ooh, I do not know. Oh, that's not okay, it's not as bad as I thought. That's yeah. seven still to go. They have seven games to go and he only needs I mean he needs what? Uh, 12? That's a lot. Well, no, for 70. I See, I said 65. That's oh, 65's cake. He'll get there. He'll score a hat trick against the Flyers when they play. 
Oh, I forgot they play the fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they have a. I think they have another soft target or two down the end here. I'm going to look okay, at so, the, the so anyway, but you're, you were looking. What you were looking for was the window to um, the window to the like in the Atlantic for Ottawa to start making a push. They also play Detroit. But you're looking for that window. The other team is Boston. Yep. Because it, it, something very real is a question of whether or not Patrice Bergeron hangs him up after this year. That's a, It's a very real possibility. Doesn't mean that he's going to for sure, but it seems like it's a very real possibility. And once they lose him... That, that dramatically changes it's, things. It dramatically changes things. To be honest, they've dealt with some injuries right now. Like, they're winning games barely... But they've dealt with injuries right now to top guys, and it changes the way that they play. Like Bergeron doesn't score as as much. Yeah. When Pasternak's not out there, like the points go down. They're, and Mar and Marchand's like kind of been quiet lately. Like Marchand's having a good year points wise, but it's been relatively quiet lately. Their their center depth is missing David Krejci, who went back home to oh, play. Well, that, oh yeah, well that too. And like and that hurt. If they lose their top two centers, right, in, how many year over year? Have? Right. Like, like, honestly, right now, what are you going to do? Go into next year with your number one center being Charlie Coyle? Right, and I like Charlie Coyle. He's a really Charlie solid Coyle's player. Great for the middle, yeah. He's a solid middle six guy. I see him being a second-line center on a medium team and a third-line center on a really good team. Right. But if he's your first-line center, you're not thrilled about it. And I and don't get me wrong. Like, I like their goaltending to an extent. They, their goaltending, well, yeah. like... You know, you know why I like their goaltending because they don't have a number one to me. Wait, Jeremy Swayman's been really good. Swayman's been good, but so is Olmark. Yep, like they've, they've both been, been really solid. Right, like they, it's just solid goaltending. Their defensive core is great. Yep. You know, McAvoy, Carlo. But, but we talk about teams know, that are going to run into salary cap guys. issues with this flat cap. Charlie McAvoy is going to need a contract sooner rather than later. Well, yes, that's and true. That, that might start with 10. yeah, but they can get a lot of their other guys like. Some of their other defensemen, they can still get like back for less. Right. Like, like McAvoy is going to be the cream of the crop there, and then you've got you know when when healthy, Carlo Grizzlick, you know, and then they you know they trade for Hampus Lindholm. He's hurt right now, by the way. But yep. either way, like you've got enough guys. Like you're sitting here, and and Lindholm they signed, so yep. they did keep him. Like they locked him up right away. Right, like that, that, that's a big deal for them. Like they they've got a defensive. Group. That's huge for them. I think their questions are going to quite literally be because then, like, look, when Pasternak's in the lineup, they'll end up looking great again, and maybe it'll change everybody's mind. But he's not right now, so that's a big deal. But like, th the window could open there as guys start to because even Marshan's not yep. getting any younger. Like, right, he's been around for a while. He's still young enough that retirement's not exactly on the forefront. But but you're starting to think about it. But you're gonna well, you're gonna have to. He's in his thirties, yep. right? Well into his thirties. Like I think he's thirty three or thirty four. Right. Yep. So you're gonna have to start thinking about it. I, I think a lot of the Bruins' future comes down to how good is Jack Studnika. That's an well, interesting one. One of their guys coming up. They just they just need people to play center, right? And we're thinking about all these players they have. I don't know why they're thinking about tra trading Jake DeBrusque. I know he wants out, but I think that's more of a player thing than the team thing. That's fair. The team, the team has to do. By the way, don't works. don't sleep on Travis Konechny for Jake DeBrusque. Mm, I don't think about that. You don't think that? I mean, with with a pick or something to to even things no, out. No, I, 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 I just don't know that. I don't know that they want another guy like that. Like they already have Brad Marchand. Do they want Brad Marchand light? Well, yeah, because you just mentioned it. Brad's kind of getting on the downswing of things, and he's still way more effective. 
And then, how fantastic would it be to have two of them if you can spread them out? Just to have one on the ice I mean, for 40, look, if, 45 if, if, minutes a game. If you slap Travis Konechny on that power play, I'm sure he would find a way to score way more goals than he is here. I'm not saying that. Travis Konechny doesn't make the first-line power play in Boston. He could be the second line, and he's still got Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, and he's still got more That's skill fair. than he's got on this roster. That's fair. But I don't think he's cracking the top unit with Pasternak and Taylor Hall and Patrice, or, and Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. If you uh, I, okay, so you can sweeten that deal however you want to. If the foundation of the deal is Jake DeBrusque for Travis Konechny, I think I'd rather just keep Travis Konechny than worry about okay, you know, bringing in another middle six, you know, guy who disappears in long spurts, you know, from from a goal scoring and production standpoint. That's you know, fair. I can't. All right. Well, P- speaking of people who disappear for long spurts, uh, we're going to be taking next week off. Yeah. <laughs> And I, that's just the only – listen, I found a decent little transition to it. So You're we're going to be taking next week off. We will be back in two weeks uh, with our early playoff. I don't know if the playoffs will have started. Uh, I don't believe they no, will no, have. So um, we'll be doing our playoff preview that day. Um, we'll discuss Flyers locker room clean out if it's happened by then. We'll talk about happen, how, right. kind of how the season ends. Um, we kind of expect – we both expect the Flyers to kind of limp down the stretch here. Uh, yes. Yeah, like so should, sa- should we spell that out really quick? Just because we we started to talk about like where they were in the standings, and you kind of got a gift on Saturday because the loss to Buffalo, where they led two nothing and then blow the lead in the second yep. period, and it's it's gone, and all that stuff. Seattle pulled out a win in in a shootout against New York, New Jersey, which gets them two points. Seattle still has an extra game to play. They're only three points back of the Flyers. And it gets New Jersey a point, which we love to see. (laughs) Well, at this point in time, so, okay, the Flyers have 57 points. There are, like, by virtue of the win, Buffalo moved 10 points ahead of the Flyers. I think they're out of reach at this point. Yeah, that one's safe. So, realistically, at this point, the highest the Flyers could get is 26th and you know, maybe be what would that be? I guess seventh from the bottom. There'd be six below Something them. Like that. Yeah. But even then, that's Ottawa, who still plays the Flyers once. That really, to with seven games left, to kind of pull too far ahead needs two wins. Like I think that that's doable for Ottawa at this stage of the game. Chicago's four points ahead. New Jersey's two points ahead, and I guess theoretically they could all kind of limp down the stretch and the Flyers could win a game or two. Yeah, but I'm, look, I'm looking in the other direction. No, Seattle, I know you are. Like, I'm, Seattle's only three points behind with a game in hand. No, but I'm trying to calm people down for the, hey, they could go higher than this okay. kind of thing. Like, okay. Like, I'm trying to, like, because I think everybody at this point, like, again, the like kind of goes back to the thing I said at the very beginning. The comment that I see so often is, they're supposed to be losing games, gotta get the top five pick. Right. Well, if you finish in fourth, with the fourth best odds, where they are right now, you're almost guaranteed to get a top five pick. You are. Oh, uh, no, you are because the worst that you can go down is to fifth. If seven and eight both jump you, no, because it's still only for the top three. So, well, I guess I guess what you're saying seven, is eight, that, and nine can jump you, and you get pushed down to like the sixth pick. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, that is what it is because of the fact that right. Okay, because we're not used to this typically. So like, right. like we're used to them being the, the year. The year the Flyers jumped to dra- draft Nolan Patrick, they jumped from like eleventh. See, because I keep thirteenth. Well, because I keep thinking of it as as the team that has the best odds could could fall anywhere between first and fourth. Right. 
So second can, I guess, drop to fifth realistically because of the fact they could go up to first. They could finish second. Right, the Flyers could fall as far as seventh if if, they, if the balls fell perfectly. Yeah, but the odds tend to say that they'll fall in the fourth to fifth range at best. So this is going to be the year Detroit wins the lottery, right? After all those years of finishing last and picking fourth, this is going to be um, the year that they actually get the, the, the balls to pick number one. Let's let's play this card, okay? Because you can say that one. I'm here's what I'm worried about. Chicago's had some good luck in a year where the Flyers should have done better, and they're going to be in this thing. And I, you got to watch out for New Jersey being in there because I don't think New Jersey was ever the worst team in the league, and got the first overall pick. That's fair. They, they've gotten the first overall pick by winning the lottery, right. never the other way around. So. Fair enough. But. Like, that would worry me, too. And actually, believe it or not, like, there are a couple teams that are going to be in this lottery that will that are rich-get-richer situations. Oh, yeah. And I, I would say... Anaheim? Anaheim, Columbus to me, because Columbus has a good young core at this point. Like, Columbus has Cole Sillinger, who I really liked in his draft year. So they've already got... Like, that would be a rich-get-richer situation to me. And what, That's true. Like, what if Ottawa wins it? Man, that would be crazy. Like, they're still in the running. Like, what if they win it? And that, that's not even to say, like... Because I don't want to make it seem like, you know, Shane Wright's a good player. I yeah. don't want to make it seem like this is getting like, hey, he would be a great things. center for Brady Kachuk. Is Shane Wright even a center? Like, I know he plays center, but is he even the top line center? Like, no, that's fair. It's probably Josh Norris. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, at least for the near future. Something, but you've already got something good going. Like, that's fair. They they they've put together a really good little unit there. The Ottawa Senators are going to be a, a pesky little fun team, and if they ever sneak in, they could do some damage. I'm thinking like Montreal Canadiens last year. You know, make that Cup final kind of scrappy underdog run. I I could see them being one of those teams within the next couple of years here. Yeah, I mean, well, and here's the oh, so here's the thing too, because you're Chuck plays what left side? I believe. I believe so. Yeah. So then why not put Shane Wright with Stutzla? You're right. Because Stutzla plays left side. Man. <laughs> you're and that you're starting to look at that Toronto top four. Uh, you know, well, Nylander, Matthews, Marner. Right. But and like you're going, why why can't we compete? We can do the well, same thing. Here's the thing. They look okay right now. You yeah. question their goaltending, Ottawa's, right? Yeah. I think they've gone a step in the right direction with Anton Forsberg. I agree. He's been good so far, but let's they, see what they, happens. Didn't they extend him, too? I think they did. I right? believe so, yeah. But okay. let's see Let's see what happens playing, when the expectations go up a little bit. And they're playing without their number one defenseman. That's true. Shabbat's been out for, like, a while, and he's out for the year. So, Weeks. Yeah. Like, they're still right. doing better than the Flyers are <sighs> without their top-pairing defenseman. Who Crazy. Is, is like very clearly far and away the best defenseman they've got. Like all that stuff, right. it's incredible to me. All right, let's let's go right. wrap on this. We're getting out of here. It's it's time. Kevin's gonna go spend some time with his family. I'm gonna go back to bed. <laughs> we will be <laughs> back in a couple. About it. We will be back in a couple of weeks to be talking about some playoffs, and I'm very excited. I cannot wait to see what ESPN yeah, coverage the of the playoffs gets, looks like. This will be the part where it gets good because of the fact that we're gonna actually be able to go into this and more than likely talk about. Like, oh, the first round series are set. Let's talk about who's going to. But I think, believe it or not, so there's that postponed game I brought up. I yep. think that they start the playoffs the next day. Yeah. I think do. it starts on Monday the 2nd. So that'd be yep. perfect for us. It's going to be absolutely perfect. You will also get our Stanley Cup predictions on that show. You heard it here first. 
Uh, in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Check out our YouTube channel. Just search you would think. We'll pop right up. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes. I mentioned YouTube, Google Podcasts, SportstalkPhilly.com. We're everywhere. Make sure to go follow Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL. F- follow at Flyer Delphia for Flyers coverage. And we will be back, like I mentioned, in two weeks. And uh, time for the playoffs. I'm excited. Not for the Flyers. Yeah. Don't worry. Not for the Flyers. But for everyone else. We actually get to start watching good hockey. So uh, until then, we'll say a happy Easter. <laughs>